everyone. Welcome back to a Catholic and a Protestant walk into a podcast. Uh, my name is Ben, and I'm the Protestant. And my name is Dante. I am the Catholic. Um, thank you again, guys, uh, for joining us. Uh, we really do love uh, our huge audience <laughs> for this podcast. The, the listeners are going up. We, we love to see that. Uh, shout out to our, our listener in Dallas. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we're having a lot of fun with this and I'm really excited for the guests that we have on today. Um, we have Meet Patel on today. Um, he's a, a Butler student. Um, he's also a, uh, an intern for the Center for Faith and Vocation uh, on campus. And so that's just a brief introduction and I'll let him say a little bit more uh, about himself. So Meet, take it away. Hey Ben and Dante, thank you guys for having me today. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. and. A little introduction about myself. I am a second year health sciences major at Butler University, also minoring in Spanish. And um, I am from Northwest Indiana, uh, from Highland, Indiana to be specific. It's, it's called, if you guys are familiar, it's called the region, um, which is that area between, you know, the cornfields and downtown Chicago. So it's just um, that place in the middle. And I usually have access to downtown Chicago. It's like 40 minutes out. So. That's where I'm from, um, from the United States. Where I'm from in terms of where I was born and raised is India, um, more specifically uh, the western half of the country in the state of Gujarat. I was born and raised there um, until I was about 10 years old and I moved to the United States uh, at that point in 2010. So um, yeah, it's been quite a journey ever since then and I'd love to share more about my faith and um, anything else that you guys have. Uh, interest in learning about for your audiences would love to share yeah well that's a perfect segue we i mean a big goal of this podcast is to explore different themes of faith um, and people's background specifically just the people the stories of people here about the university so um, just to kind of lead us in we'd love to hear more of your own story um, how your faith developed um, to what it is now a little bit more of your background and and what influenced you growing up specifically in the realm of faith? Yeah, definitely. So as I mentioned, I was born and raised in India. So um, India is uh, mainly a Hindu country. So there's a lot of Hindus. Um, and I was born and raised in a Hindu household. So growing up, my principles, ideals, beliefs, values, all were shaped by uh, basic Hindu beliefs. And Growing up, um, I, we would tend to, we actually had a very large family. So we would have like at least like 10 to 12 people in the household and every festival that comes up. So in Hinduism, we tend to have a lot of festivals that come up to celebrate. They celebrate a variety of different things. So they celebrate the, um, like a recent, uh, the one going on right now at this time is called Navratri. And that's one that has a whole story behind it of the the main message is the victory of good over evil and that's a common trend you see throughout uh, some of the some of the major uh, scriptures of Hinduism some of the major uh, faith stories and uh, so a lot of those festivals um, I grew up being a part of and that is something that I miss nowadays because I am not um, with my family I'm, I'm at Butler of course but also not with my wider family that is located across the U.S. and mostly in India. So, um, but I'm getting a little ahead of myself. So I grew up in that environment when I first moved here to the United States in uh, 2010. It was it was a difficult transition for me because 
of, you know, the culture shock and that, um, that need to adjust to the environment, the new language, new people. I've grown up learning English in India, but of course the accent and everything, totally different. Uh, it's, it was really hard to transition. And um, I think what really helped me was my faith community when it comes to transitioning, because um, actually a cool side story, not cool, but kind of sad, but I came down with malaria when I first got here. I actually had it in India. It went into hibernation and then I came here and then it came back and the doctors here had no clue how to like treat it and how to like go about um, with the prognosis. And eventually there was one doctor that was able to figure it out and treat me, but I was just, this was right after I came to the United States. So I was just devastated. I was like crying and yelling at my parents and just wanting them to just take me back to where I'm from with my family and my friends. Literally I knew nobody here other than my family. so. It was really hard transition, but then we were able to uh, start going to our Hindu temple regularly on the weekends. And I met kids and tried to interact with them. And just that sense of community and sense of belonging that helped me transition to this new culture, new environment, new language, new people. So that really had an impact on me. And as we transitioned um, into like getting into a few, a few years as I settled down in the country, um, we had a moment in time when uh, it was difficult for my parents to maintain the businesses and um, the situations financially. So we weren't able to go to the temple as often, but then some of those things started to settle down after we found another de denom Hindu denomination that we started going to uh, a few years back, actually. And ever since then, things have started to stabilize for us in terms of our Hindu faith, and I'm sure you guys have some questions about Hinduism in general, but um, and the denominations that I belong to. So I'll I'll be sure to answer those. But that's just a brief snapshot of my story and um, my journey thus far. Wow! Yeah, that's an incredible story, Nate. Thank you for for sharing all that. Yeah, um, of course. Yeah, I mean the the biggest question that comes to mind for me, um, it, obviously you've you've been through. A lot of adversity, hardship um, that you have had to cope with, um, and I, I want to ask you how your faith tradition, how your religion, how Hinduism um, may have helped you through those times, um, how it may have helped you or not helped you uh, cope with with that kind of adversity. Yeah, so I can I can speak to some of my root values that I was raised with. And um, in Hinduism, a basic principle is to see, see God in anything and everything, whether it is um, living or, or dead or uh, inanimate. So that, having that root principle in mind as I was, as I was raised, that, that just, um, in the smallest of actions that I take, I try to be mindful of life. I'm a vegetarian. I I tend to not eat, um, you know, eggs, meat, and all that um, based on that principle and because of those core religious values. And um, so as, um, as I was transitioning in, in, into the adverse times, I had to, to recognize that um, also another principle that I've been raised with is that um, God tests you. So like some of those adversities that, um, that I went through, 
they, they I, I had to think of them as those periods when I was being tested. And a big concept in Hinduism is that of um, karma and um, this concept of doing good and the good comes back to you. And um, I had to take all of those values and principles that I'd learned over time um, based on based on my faith to try to create a create a narrative for myself and to try and understand like all these adversities they were they were temporary and that over time um, things would things would work out and I would uh, be able to emerge into uh, this this sense of this environment of stability so a lot of these different values and uh, faith principles really shaped to my thinking and um, yeah and one of the major also another major one of those uh, values is considering myself as the atma or the soul rather than this body which really helps me um, take like separate myself from the material objects and the bodily pains and um, pleasures that come with it so then I'm able to um, maintain that stability as as a soul and not worry about as much of the adversity that impacts my body, physical body. That's really interesting. Uh, I, I'm curious, and this is kind of pressing in a little bit what you're sharing, but um, for me in Christianity, like it's really important. Or I'll, I'll start with this. What's the, my question is kind of what is your, what is the Hindu view of God or even your view of God and how you relate to God? So right. for instance, for me in, in Christianity, I, we view God as all powerful, all knowing, and yet good and loving. And though he is above all things, we also can relate to him. So I was kind of curious of like, what does that look like for, for you in Hinduism? What does it mean to know God, relate to him, or maybe not him, but relate to God? Yeah. So before I answer that question, I'd like to, I'd like to bring up um, a common, common perspective on Hinduism that a lot of people have, be it whether they learned in sixth grade social studies class or wherever, but this concept that Hinduism is a polytheistic religion is is widely widely accepted in the Western world. And I'll say that it's widely a misconception because that to the root of Hinduism, that is not um, that is not the belief that pure in, uh, strict Hindu belief. It's not a strict Hindu belief, and it's more along the lines of what you just described, Ben, as as um, some of your Christian ideals. So, um, as a part of the denomination that I am in, uh, we we believe that there is also one uh, one all all pervasive and transcendent supreme God, and um, Hinduism states that God manifests on Earth for the salvation of infinite souls and is always present through. Um, the we we have something called Murti Puja, which is actually worshiping um, uh, statues of um, our, our gods, and we understand understand God to be ever present on this earth through those um, um, statues, and also the spiritual uh, specific to my denomination, we understand God to be present through our spiritual uh, gurus or um, the spiritual. Do you guys know what I mean when I say guru, like a spiritual teacher or uh, someone that guides you? So, um, yeah, so that is a core belief that is to Hinduism in the sense that God is all pervasive, transcendent, and we're still able to connect, as you mentioned, Ben, um, through the means of worshiping actual uh, concrete um, 
form of God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's really interesting. And that's like what I really like about this podcast too, is I'm seeing so many more similarities uh, with um, like what Ben and I believe than differences. I mean, like when you just mentioned like seeing God in everything and um, like whether that's nature or like whatever it may be, other people, um, I really relate to that. And God is like ever present. Like these are things that like are also very um, like real in Christianity as well. So I like, I love seeing the similarities that I didn't know before. Um, and yeah, one go thing ahead. I, 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 I didn't touch on um, in terms of the misconception of the polytheism. I like to add that the better way to understand that for somebody who's not familiar to Hinduism is that all of those different gods, all those many gods that people worship, we Hindus understand them to be different paths to this one core supreme entity. And that may get lost in all of this craziness of so many gods laid out across the spectrum of Hinduism. But that is the main, that's the main message that Hinduism provides that there is no one path to get to the supreme entity. There's all these different paths. Some may be quicker than others, but by uh, displaying this main message, it also displays some interfaith ideals that has openings for other faiths and other religions. And like you mentioned, there's so many similarities and that's why our faith, uh, our Hinduism tends to um, be all inclusive in terms of any religion that has the base uh, core, all powerful, all pervasive God. Yeah. Yeah. And going along with that too, um, while we're on the topic, uh, we also wanted to ask you what other kinds of, of misconceptions or like stereotypes that you've had to confront as someone who is Hindu. Um, and what would you like, like to say to those things or, um, yeah, just talk about your experiences with that. Yeah. I, I, so as I mentioned, that was probably the biggest one that I've had to, you know, clarify and explain to people like they would think that um, I worship all these different gods and that um, I would have to explain myself like normally in a social uh, social studies class like back in eighth seventh sixth grade whatever middle school we're like I still remember we're taught that there are the three main entities of Hinduism uh, Vishnu Brahma and Indra I think and one is the creator one is a sustainer uh, one is the destroyer shiva shiva is the third one and that has its merits in the sense that that is what is in the ancient scriptures and um is is a core of hinduism but then there is more other um, deeper aspects to it that people are not normally exposed to and don't have a chance to learn uh, more about through a normal you know introduction to hinduism in a normal social studies class so that's where some of those main beliefs that we have kind of get lost and dispersed and the focus goes on um, the polytheistic nature of it, which is only on the surface. Gotcha. Yeah. And I also wanted to ask you too, just coming from, from India, which like you said, is majority Hindu and coming to, to the States, which is majority Christian. Um, was that transition hard? Um, was there ever any, like conflict um, with with that transition or like how, how was that? Yeah, so um, when I first moved here, like the community that I uh, lived lived in for the 
ever since I moved here. We had a decent amount of Hindu population, um, not exactly in the town that I lived, but the neighboring towns that I was in, we had this uh, community, Hindu, Hindu community association. So um, yes, there's definitely a lack of Hindu populations in let's say a high school or the middle school or elementary school that I went to. But then at the same time, outside of that, I still had an opportunity to, you know, get involved in my culture and me like, like-minded and like valued individuals. Um, yeah. How do you think that that has been for you since coming to college and uh, being a Hindu on Butler's campus? So that was actually one of the reasons that I decided to choose to come to Butler um, because of the Hindu community that is local to Indianapolis. And there is actually one of the temples. There's two main Hindu temples. You guys may know about the larger one um, in Indianapolis, the Hindu temple of Indianapolis. Um, but there is also a smaller denomination um, of in, uh, Hindu temple that I belong to. And that's also located in Avon, which is like a 25 minute drive. So it's been hard recently, but last year I was able to get out and go to temple most of the day on Sunday and, you know, get involved with a lot of the activities there. I, I taught, um, I, I'm actually quadlingual, so I was able to teach some of um, the languages um, that, that are in our scriptures that I grew up learning because when I grew up in India, I was taught those languages as I grew up because they are in our scriptures and we're, um, we're all, it's, a, it's a norm for everyone to know them. So I teach some of those here and I also get involved in a lot of activities too just you know be involved in the presentations and all that good stuff so that's that's one of the reasons why i chose butler because of the community that we have here and it's been difficult as of late but we're hopeful that things will start to get um, normal soon hopefully yeah definitely yeah, yeah. COVID definitely changed a lot of how we interact in our faith oh, communities yeah. <laughs> yeah it's been an interesting time for i think every faith community in that way Yes, uh, I this is something I genuinely have no idea. But what you've mentioned a few times, kind of the scriptures of Hinduism. What are those? And like, what is? Yeah, tell us a little bit more about what those yeah, are sure. and what they say and what they talk about. Mm -hmm. So some of the major ones that date back thousands of years um, are the Vedas. Um, it's it's a compilation of um, some major texts and those Vedas uh, record dating back to like six thousand to ten thousand years and Hinduism is considered one of the world's oldest religions and um, a lot of the values in our denomination are rooted to the Vedas. However, they're um, also different in the sense that they are uh, more based on like I mentioned, some of those some of those values that uh, may get lost in in the complexity of the Vedas, because a lot of the interpretations of the Vedas tend to you know go towards the polytheistic polytheistic religion and all of that. But our denomination has some of those root uh, messages from those scriptures, um, in the sense that you know, like I mentioned, we understand the human beings to be the soul or the atma. And we have common practices of um, striving for moksha, which is the ultimate liberation. And we have a concept of reincarnation, 
which you have to, the, which is a cycle that you have to keep going through based on your actions and um, the result of those actions. So all of those are rooted back to the Vedas and we have uh, our gurus and our founders of our denomination have found a way to compile them in a way so that it's easier for us to comprehend them and live a meaningful life. Are those things that like you personally read on a daily or weekly basis or are they more yeah. for your gatherings? So the Vedas actually, we don't really read those because those are so complex, but then there's <laughs> scriptures put together by some of the scholars within our denomination. And um, one that has been put together very recently, actually within the last two months, by our uh, latest spiritual uh, successor of our denomination, and it's called the the Satsang Diksha, and this is this is like a this is literally something that I got on hands on like two days ago, um, and this is basically a summary of everything that we believe and everything uh, that we strive for. So this is, I guess, the latest scripture in addition to um, all the ones that we have so far. And it's really neat because the current spiritual successor that we have um, in the lineage of uh, our denomination is is the guru who wrote it himself. And his main um, perspective behind is is to clarify a lot of the a lot of the complex you know uh, messages that we have and make it easier. He's trying to target some of the younger generations because especially nowadays, like. It's, it's um, getting more and more difficult for uh, younger individuals, especially outside of India. In India, it's still easier because you have a sense of community. But since we have a lot of following across the world now, and we have a lot of um, members of this denomination, he wants to clarify a lot of the topics and make it into one compact um, scripture that we can follow. So this is something that I try to read on a daily basis and try to take in. Awesome. Yeah, that, that's very cool. I like it. Yeah. And I like the, the, uh, the portability of the little, like, yeah, I've, I've seen a lot of like, at least in Christianity, they're like little Bibles, that, like people like pocket Bibles that people will carry around and stuff. So it reminds me a little bit of that, like something that you could just like keep on you, uh, if, like if you ever need it. So yeah, I like that. Yep. Um, and one question that I think Ben and I are especially interested into, um, that we want to ask of all of our guests is what is, the thing that you appreciate most about your faith um so that first and then secondly like what is the thing that is hardest for you to come to terms with uh in terms of your faith like what is something that you wrestle with um in your faith so so two-part question um but i'll let you take that on yeah for sure um i'll address the first question first and I say um, what I appreciate the most about my faith is that I feel um, the fact that I feel supported whenever I need the support. Um, what I mean by that is that I have access to numerous resources um, through. So the, the denomination that I belong to is called BAPS. That, that stands for Organization, and Bochasan is the place in it's a location in India where this organization was established first. Um, and Aksha Purushottam is the um, 
the philosophy that we belong to. And this, like I mentioned, it is derived from the Vedas. And I won't get into all the details of it, but the basic concept is that uh, Purushottam is the, the reference to the divine entity that we worship. And Akshar is the, the gate we um the gate through which we must um get to that entity and that uh, the form of akshar is always manifest on this earth through the lineage of our gurus which uh, goes back to the um, form of pushottam that was on this earth so it can be a lot to understand um without a lot of context but that's my attempt at trying to summarize it um so um, going back to what I what I appreciate the most is all the resources that I have access to. Like even though we are not able to meet in person every every Sunday, we have um, we still have the regular meetings that we would have, and they they've had done an immense job, uh, a great job of producing like um, webinars every Sunday for us to hop onto and just learn in the normal way that we would normally do. And then we have discussions right afterwards. So um, it doesn't feel all that different, although it's a different format. Um, I'm still able to get access to our, our regional sadhu. Sadhus are, um, what's the word for sadhus? Are monks, basically. And they're the, they're the ones that have renounced this world and dedicated their lives to uh, spreading, spreading our philosophies and supporting um the members of our denomination so there's one assigned for each regional center we have access to them i have access to access to like my friends and other members of the community here that um that are always here if i need anything and they always find a way to give me a lot of indian food which i tend to miss nowadays because I'm not at home and my mom always worries that i won't have good food to eat but butler does a good job but i miss indian food from time to time and they get me covered too so that's a plus so i guess being supported and uh, feeling supported is what i appreciate the most and then going to your second question sorry i'm making these so long but um something that's hard is feeling that intimacy nowadays um in terms of the community aspect because like i said i'm so far away from parents my family and now adding another layer of COVID and not being able to go in person, hang out with the guys and the community is something that does um, affect me in, uh, in some ways. Yeah. Yeah. As a follow-up to that too, um, is there, is there anything like theologically or like something in, in your scriptures um, that you've had to like really wrestle with or that you had a hard time uh, accepting right away at first? Oh yeah. So um, uh, particular to this, to this um, denomination that I belong to, it was difficult for me to grasp, grasp some of the complex concepts that I just attempted to explain to you guys in a few sentences. And at first it was, it was a lot for me to take in because um, I wasn't born into this denomination, and like I mentioned, uh, some changes took place over the course of the last decade, uh, where we transitioned from a very general um, concept of Hinduism to this more specific denomination and uh, focus. So it was a transition. Like I had grown up learning about a lot of the basic and basics and principles of the this denominations, and I actually studied 
in a school um, founded by one of the gurus of the denomination in India because my parents, they were actually here for a few years um, setting things up. And I was living in India with my grandparents. So they had me attend this uh, really good school that was established by the founders of uh, or the gurus of this um, organization. And uh, I was able to get exposed to a lot of these back then. But when I when I came here and we actually started getting more uh, involved in that faith community, it was difficult for me to grasp those concepts. And when I came to college, um, I'm sure you guys have heard of Daniel Myers' Faith, Doubt, and Reason. So that, you know, whatever holes that I had in my faith, that kind of just picked those apart as well. And um, by the end of it, of course, they were uh, not picked apart and everything was um, put back together and didn't have an exist- existential crisis or anything, although it did feel like I did have that at uh, certain points of um, that class. But in the end, I was able to uh, find this core identity of myself as being rooted in my religion, but at the same time having this interfaith um, perspective and having um, the interfaith wings that uh, have led me to some of the activities that have been involved in recently, especially in my internship and some of the works that I've done. Yeah, yeah, I wanted to, um, actually, that's a, another great segue. I wanted to also ask you about the CFE internship that you currently have. Um, like, why did you decide to apply for that internship? Um, what is it exactly that you do? How do you like it? All of that. Yeah, so I decided to apply um, because I was on the Interfaith Council. For the Dante, you and I were um, on the council, and I had a chance had a chance to involve myself in a lot of interfaith dialogue. Um, the council is basically for for those listening who might not know the interfaith council at the CFV is just a group of students from various faith backgrounds, and we meet biweekly to discuss some heavy and complex questions, and we offer our own perspectives. So having an opportunity to get involved in that environment along with the Faith Down and Reason first year seminar. A culmination of that um, kind of just gave me, uh, just strengthened my sense of uh, my, my root in my own faith. But at the same time, it opened up other doors for me to explore um, and converse and learn from people from other faiths and have an open mind enough so that I can start um, being more involved. And that led me to applying for the uh, position. And some of the things that I've been doing involved uh, partnering with the CFV with the Center for Interfaith Cooperation. We have, we recently hosted a watch party to watch the Festival of Faith. We had a small discussion afterwards. And then I have been promoting the CIC's uh, digital dialogues, which is a format that they have really emphasized. And, focused on promoting it recently because it's it's a way for you to connect with people from different faiths and backgrounds over a virtual coffee conversation. And that's something that I've been trying to promote um, on campus um, along with just helping out um, with other CFP uh, related uh, events as well. Uh, a question that kind of came to mind and this could be, it's kind of a big question, but as you go through your kind of faith work and the things that you do, so with the CFE and then within your own Hindu community, 
what would you say is kind of the goal of your faith as you go forward in life? Um, we're still young. We got hopefully a lot of time left, but um, as you go through your life and your faith, what is, what is your, that, what is the end goal of your own personal journey in faith? Yeah. So as I mentioned briefly earlier, the ultimate goal in, um, in, in our faith and our beliefs is something called moksh. And moksh is this ultimate liberation from this cycle of birth and death, which we believe are, are normal to all human beings and uh, souls uh, in particular. So if you, I'm sure you guys have heard of this concept of reincarnation and karma and how if you do bad karma, you're, you're going to come back and uh, be born, being born as living beings and your soul is going to be continued to be in the cycle. And once you have accumulated um, enough good karma, you'll have an opportunity to escape the cycle. So with all that said, it sounds so heavy and so uh, deep and complex which which might now be practical for some people but there is a way for it to be practical and I have found a way for it to be practical to me by just one of the biggest things that our gurus emphasizes and the good of others lies our own and that is something that I try to keep core to myself and I have a tendency to not focus on um, too many self-care practices because of that. And I try, I, I've been told that um, you take care of other people too much and you need to take care of yourself more and all that. But that's just something that just comes natural to me. And I, it's part of my journey towards, towards this ultimate goal of um, liberation from the cycle of births and deaths and um, hopefully beyond to worshiping God in a more intimate form. Yeah, I sense that. I don't know if Ben might have a follow up to that. He looks, he looks ready to ask you something. But, uh, but I was just gonna ask you too. I mean, I, I sense that there is this idea of like growth um, that seems like central to what you believe in, and and the idea that like your actions have have real consequences um, that you need to like constantly be considering and taking into account. Um, so a very I, I would assume that like intentionality is very like important um, based on what I've heard. Um, would that be accurate? <laughs> yeah, very accurate. And um, I guess there's a word for it too. We call it antar drashti and that is literally a translation for introspection. And mm -hmm. that is really something that we tend to emphasize from time to time um, during our weekly meetings on Sundays, because we learn all these concepts. We learn to, um, be kind, be nice. A lot of the same values that a lot of religions teach. And from time to time, you have to take a moment, step back and look into yourself. If you're actually doing all of those, what you're still missing, what you still have to work on. And that not all is a part of a constant journey that um, we feel that we are on. And I'm sure that is very common to other religious practices as well. Yeah. Yeah. I know that I'm sure that Ben and I can relate to that too, because really, you know, that is also an emphasis in Christianity too, is intentionality and introspection and the idea that like you need to be considering the the um the effects of your actions and to to be present um and you know held accountable. Um and so I don't know if like 
Ben can relate to that as well. Um, but there definitely is that element of that in, in our faith um, and recognizing the importance of that as well. So yeah, I like that, that similarity as well. Yeah, I was going to say the things that you're saying make me think of in, in, our, in my own faith, we use the word eternal perspective a lot for that phrase of where there's things that we do in our day-to-day lives now, um, certain actions, certain attributes that we try to have in our own life, the way that we treat other people, the way that we handle situations, the way that we walk and love towards others um, and love of God. And those practical things that we do day to day are important because they play into this greater eternal perspective. And so even just as an affirmation, I think it's really cool to hear you talk about it is because you're expressing that kind of same idea. Of there's something bigger that we are in pursuit of as human beings and um, on our journey of life. And you shared, you know, different moments where that was significant to you, your transition um, from India coming to Butler. There's moments where we, need to be thinking about, you know, even this eternal perspective as we go along in our day-to-day life. And they're very connected. Uh, the, the practical things we do drive us forward to what's eternal. So uh, I appreciate you just sharing those things and more about the Hindu faith. I feel like I've learned a lot, even in this little conversation that we've had. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah and I, and just like to add on to that too, as well, like something it reminds me of, um, as a Catholic too, is there's this emphasis on virtue and like pursuing a, a virtuous life, um, the life of the saints and trying to, to model yourself after them and do what is hard, but what is like necessary and what like we are called to do. And so I think I recognize uh, a little bit of that in your faith as well, um, where, you know, you that's what you're, you're pursuing virtue like like the best exactly. possible you can, and, and one of those is like selflessness like you just brought up you know i i think i'm prey to that as well we're like constantly putting others before yourself um that humility and like that's a virtue that like we really try to pursue um definitely as catholics and it seems like you know you're also trying to do the same thing in accordance with with your religion uh, so i think that that's really cool and i like that a lot all right and this might this might be taken a little differently by different audiences and it's, it's it can be controversial in the sense that people would encourage you to take care of yourself first before take care of others but I tend to look at it a bit differently I tend to look at it in a way that taking care of others is the way and putting others before me putting the happiness and wellness of others before me is the way I take care of my own wellness because of that first principle that I mentioned to you guys, if I see God and if I see divinity in others, and if I take care of and worship in a way others, then I'm worshiping a form of God by doing that. And what other way to take care of myself by worshiping God? So that mm-hmm. that's the way, that's the perspective I look at it. And it might not sit well with everyone, but it works for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 i definitely respect it i i, I agree with you <laughs> um but yeah we we appreciate the time that you've given us today to hear a little bit more about your your faith and your story um before we go um just kind of are there any other closing thoughts or things that you would want to say to our listeners about your own faith or just as an encouragement of, of things going on in the world whatever you may be any any final thoughts that you have for us yeah, of course. Um, I've mentioned a lot of 
religious and a lot of faith-based concepts and beliefs and values that I have. Um, and I want to be sensitive, sensitive to those that may not come from such heavily faith backgrounds who may be listening to this. And what I want to say to them is that it's, it's not the end of the world to not have some of these um, complex and um, philosophical faith ideas. And it's completely um, normal and um, okay for somebody to have secular views as well, if, if that's what provides them meaning. And that is something that I've been able to pick up um, through some of the interfaith work that I do in the sense that um, like the interfaith um, concepts that I've been able to learn really emphasize um, building this dialogue between all people from all different uh, faiths, traditions, backgrounds, communities, views, etc. And part of that is being rooted into whatever gives you meaning and being able to um, keep an open mind at the same time by trying to take in and relate to those who might not have the same core values as as you do and um, some of the resources if, if um, people are interested the interfaith youth core um, is is an organization that um, shares a lot of these and I've been able to educate myself through through their resources and if you just go on ifyc.org it's there's a lot of um, uh, resources there and then I guess the final advice that I would give um, somebody who is trying to you know be more uh, involved in this in this type of conversations and work is just to genuinely listen because sometimes I, I I tell people that 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 can be the easiest thing and then the hardest thing that you can do sometimes when you hear something um, about other faiths or other religions it, you tend people tend to have a tendency to shift focus on themselves and promote their own agenda first so I I try to well this this call has been really just um talking me a lot about myself because i think that's what you guys want for the podcast but in a normal like real world i would not talk as much about myself and try to listen to what's being said um, about others and what they're trying to say is their faiths and values and um focus on not pushing an agenda of trying to you know press my values and beliefs and just trying to have a conversation and trying to connect more so i guess that's the final thoughts that i have yeah, yeah, I would, I would definitely reiter, reiterate uh, t- two of those things that you just said that I really liked. Um, one being, yeah, I mean, no matter where you're coming from, what your background is, what your beliefs are, I think it's, it's admirable to pursue meaning, um, no matter how you do that. Um, like, however you pursue growth and meaning in this, in, in this life, uh, you know, however way that you do that, I think that that is an admirable pursuit. Um, for sure. And then also, yeah, I think, you know, that active listening is important. I think the world now that is becoming increasingly polarized, uh, especially with the election right around the corner, very topical, but, you know, there's a lot, there's not very much, um, you know, listening to understand. It's a lot more like listening to respond. And I think that I brought this up in a different meeting with, uh, with Ben recently, but, you know, there needs to be more listening to understand than listening to respond. And I think that that's what you're getting at as well. So exactly. Yeah. That's another, another really good piece of advice. And yeah, and we appreciate you uh, being on meet and you know, that, that, that's definitely a lot to explain in a short period of time. And I think you did a good job um, of trying to 
um, inform us a little bit about your background. Uh, so we appreciate that. And, and you did great. <laughs> so I'll let them. It's my pleasure, ben, you guys. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, Ben, is there anything else you, you have before we go? I don't think so. Me, thank you so much again. And you gave us the chance to listen today to you. And I think that's important. You gave our, our podcast listeners a chance to listen. So, um, yeah, to everyone out there, listen to our podcast. Thank you for joining us again. And we'll see you again next time.